Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Just the simple question, what are you trusting in? Where is your hope? Are you trusting in the living God? Or have you maybe fallen prey to idols? Has, has something else come in and become the thing that's taken your affection, that's taken your attention, that's taken your devotion away from the Lord? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Isaiah chapters 44 through 45. Now here's Pastor Brian. There's no buying or selling without the mark. So everybody's going to receive a mark on the right hand or their forehead. Some of you, you know this. And that they cannot buy or sell without it. Now, again, wait, well, how, how is that going to happen? Well, that, that can happen so easily. Everything's been moving toward globalization, and we're going in that direction. So I know I got off on a bit of a tangent there, but my whole point is to come back to this and listen to what God says in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things that are not yet done. That's what I was talking about, the book of Revelation. He tells us things that have not yet happened, but are going to happen and are in the process of developing. And we can see it right before our eyes. But then saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And what God wants us to know is that he's in charge. And for those who know the Bible, it's becoming very, very clear that that is not a claim without merit. That is a claim that is rooted in absolute reality. God is in control of human history. God is in control of history. He is orchestrating the events of history. He's allowing things to go certain ways because they are all part of this process and this plan that he has to ultimately send his son back to establish his kingdom over the earth. And there are many other things that we could talk about. The one thing that I always come back to, that I always say to me is the inescapable evidence that we are on a a prophetic course that God has set That is the Jewish people. And the existence of the Jewish state after 2,000 years of dispersion and persecution and various attempts at absolute obliteration, and of course the most blatant one was the attempts by the Third Reich, the final solution of Joseph Goebbels and Heinrich Himmler and Adolf Hitler to just do away. And and actually, they wanted to rid not just Germany of Jews. They wanted to rid the world of Jews. They made that very clear. And, And yet, it was out of the fires of the Holocaust that the nation of Israel reemerged in history. Nothing ever like it had happened before. And, of course, nothing since. And and that is always, to me, 
when we talk about God being sovereign over history, the Jews are a great testimony to that fact, the existence of uh, not just Jewish people in the world, but the nation, a Jewish nation that traces its roots back to Moses and further back, obviously, to Abraham. So God's saying that his counsel will stand. He will do his pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east. Now, this is a reference to Cyrus, a bird of prey. He's coming to bring judgment, and he's coming swiftly. That's the idea. That's why he's using the analogy of a bird. The man who executes my counsel from a far country, indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Now, here's one of those prophetic words that have a near and a far fulfillment. And we've talked about that before, how going back to Isaiah 7, 14, you remember the virgin will conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. And, and before he knows the difference, what is good and what is evil, before you know he transitions from nursing his mother on his mother's breast to eating uh, solid food, these words are gonna be fulfilled. But then we know that that was also a futuristic prophecy of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. We talked about that before, how Matthew made that clear to us. So here, this is speaking of what God's going to do as Cyrus comes, but it's also looking ahead. And he says, my salvation. Now, the interesting thing is the Hebrew word for salvation here, maybe you know this, But the name Jesus, the Hebrew pronunciation of Jesus is Yeshua. And Yeshua means the Lord is salvation. So when you see salvation in Hebrew, you basically have the name of the Lord Jesus right here in the Hebrew text. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And so the Lord is declaring here, he's even in kind of a, a subtle way, he is giving the name of the Savior. And so, come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. So chapter 47 is basically almost exclusively speaking to Babylon. So here in chapter 46, speaking to Israel, God reminding them of who he is, how he's carried them and so forth. So chapter 47 is really kind of a a pronouncement against Babylon and in a sense, mocking, in in a sense, it's a mocking of Babylon. Now, remember, Babylon is this this extraordinarily great power. Uh, Babylon, the Babylonians would have never dreamed, just like the Americans could never dream, that they could ever be conquered, that they could ever be on the, the other end of the power spectrum that they could have ever gone into captivity or they, they couldn't even imagine it. They couldn't even dream it. I mean, they, they were the superpower. Who's going to conquer Babylon? Who's, who's going to take away our fortunes? To them, it just, if you would have told them that this was going to happen, they would have never, ever believed it. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin 
daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil, take off the skirt, uncover the thigh, pass through the waters. Your nakedness shall be uncovered. Yes, your shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance. I will not arbitrate with a man. So God just says unequivocally, there's a judgment coming and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. And so he describes, you know, their condition, you know, under the prosperity and and all of the glory of Babylon, tender and delicate, but they're going to be turned over basically to death and to labor for those who survive. He goes on, he says, as for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no longer be called the Lady of Kingdoms. I was angry with my people. I have profaned my inheritance and given them into your hand. So God sent, remember, the Babylonians to judge them. But then he says, but you showed them no mercy. On the elderly, you laid your yoke very heavily and you said, I shall be a lady forever so that you did not take these things to heart nor remember the latter end of them. So God sent Israel into captivity, into Babylon to chastise them. But the Babylonians never acknowledged that that was the case and they just oppressed them. And that's what God is referring to here. So now everything's gonna be reversed. Babylon is no longer going to be the lady of kingdoms. And as you've said, you'll be a lady forever. So, you know, again, all of the wealth and all of the opulence and those things are going to be completely stripped from Babylon. Therefore, hear this now, you who are given to pleasure, who dwell securely, who say in your heart, I am and there is no one else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. So again, Babylon just, they just saw themselves as completely invincible. There's just no way that our fortunes could ever turn in another direction. And, you know, this has been repeated over and over and over again in history. Of course, there have been various kingdoms in history. And, you know, you have the nations that are kind of on top of the world, so to speak, and at the pinnacle of their glory and their greatness, you know, it would be hard for anybody to imagine that they would even cease. I mean, think of the back into the period of you know, maybe even just the, the glory of the Egyptian kingdoms. And we still see remnants of that today with the pyramids and the sphinxes and the, you know, the different things that remain from all of those millennia ago. But the people living at the time could have never imagined it being anything other than that, could not have imagined it being any different. And that would be the same during the, the Greek time. And that would be the same, of course, during the Roman period, that would have been the same. And, you know, when power and prosperity and these things are at their height, and there's always all kinds of injustice and there's all kinds of 
inequity and all of that that's that's mixed in with it. But there's the outward look of, you know, this is just amazing. And we we certainly have had that in the in the U.S. as well. You know, it's just hard to imagine living in the United States. It's hard to imagine that we could ever become insignificant. That's why so often when people talk about Bible prophecy, they want to say, well, where's America in Bible prophecy? Because obviously we have to be in there because we are, you know, we are the greatest nation in the world. And yet it doesn't take long. Once the the decay fully sets in, it doesn't take long for things to crumble. And in a sense, we're seeing some of that crumbling from the inside out. So the Babylon, this was their thinking was that, it said it right here, I am and there is no one else beside me. And, and boy, isn't that the way it is so often with nations in power. I am and there's no one else beside me. These people don't matter. They're here to serve me. We can roll over them and not even think twice about it. And you can take that and you can see that with the various empires. You think of the British Empire and all that they, all of those places they ruled. And of course, the, you know, the sun never sets on the British Empire. And that just sounded so magnificent, but not for the people that were under the authority of the British Empire. And, you know, we talk about America and the greatness of America and, oh, how wonderful and the founding fathers and all of that. And yes, but there were people there as well that it was a completely different story for them. It's a completely different story for the Africans that were brought here as slaves and made, you know, they were the ones who were forced to do the work. And it was a completely different situation for the indigenous people that were here when the Europeans came. And so, you know, this is, this is the reality behind the world. And really quickly, you think of even cities. And Babylon, of course, was a great city. You know, cities are basically, cities are, are the monuments of, of men to themselves. That's what cities are. Cain built the first city. Now, who was Cain? Cain was the brother of Abel. Cain slew his brother and went out from the presence of the Lord. Cain was the first murderer and he slew his brother Abel. He went out from the presence of the Lord and he built a city. And it was there that he was going to make a name for himself. We go further on in history after the flood. We come to this man named Nimrod. And Nimrod builds a city. And guess what that city was? It was Babylon. Nimrod built Babylon. And we have the record of that in Genesis chapter 10. And then in Genesis chapter 11, we have the story of the languages being confused at Babylon, right? And the people being dispersed. But what it says there is what, the, what they were attempting to do. They were disobeying God because God said that they were to scatter. I take it that Nimrod was probably involved in this at the time. He was called a mighty hunter before the Lord. Some people say that that means that he was a oppressor of men. And that might be the case. But as they're building Babylon, it says that their intention was to make a tower that reached into the heavens and to make a name for ourselves. And so Babylon, all the way back into Genesis and all the way through Revelation chapter 18, we have references to Babylon all the way through. 
And Babylon is a literal place, has been a literal place, and perhaps will be a literal place again in the future. But it's really symbolic of man's effort to make a name for himself apart from God and in rebellion to God. And I bring all that up because I love cities. I really love cities. And I love, I love New York City and I love London as a city. And, you know, there are many great cities in the world and I absolutely love them. But this is what I know about cities. And when I moved to London years ago, the part of it, I, I just loved London. I loved the architecture. I loved the history. I loved all of those aspects of it. But it didn't take me long to find out that behind all of that stuff that a tourist might be so attracted by and love so much and think it's so wonderful, there's all kinds of pain and suffering and misery and sin and criminal activity and and all, all of those things. That's the reality, right? And that is the, the reality with Babylon and every little sort of model of Babylon that has come after it. But then as we go toward the end, we find that Babylon resurfaces again in the end. Now, I'm more and more, I'm leaning toward a, a literal Babylon coming back in the, the plain of Shinar in what we would know today as the region of Iraq. So I might be wrong about that, but that's another story. But anyway, here, as we finish up with Babylon here, the Lord is pronouncing this judgment. And then he says to them, he says, because of the multitude of your sorceries for the great abundance of your enchantments. So they were filled with sorcery, idolatry, enchantments. For you trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am and there is no one else beside me. So basically the attitude was, I'm all that matters. To Babylon, Babylon mattered and nothing else mattered. And notice this though, your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. You know, if you were to read Ezekiel chapter 28, I can't remember the exact verse, but in Ezekiel 28, we're talking there about the person we commonly call Satan, Lucifer, before the fall, the anointed cherub who covers. But you know what it says about him? It says, your wisdom, you were perfect in wisdom and beauty, but it was your wisdom that corrupted you. And and so the same thing here, it was the arrogance that corrupted this being, this cherub that became the devil. It's the same thing that corrupted and warped Babylon. And again, and there is no one else beside me. Nothing else matters. Therefore, evil shall come upon you. You shall not know from where it arises and trouble shall fall upon you. You will not be able to put it off and desolation shall come upon you suddenly, which you shall not know. And that's exactly what happened. You can read about the the fall of Babylon. You can read about it in Daniel chapter five. And it was sudden. And it was in one night that the city fell. So, Here's the last part. And so here's what God says to them. Stand now with your enchantments and the multitude of your sorceries in which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you will prevail. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologer, 
the stargazer and the monthly prognosticator, let them stand up and save you now. So they were into all of these things. They were into sorcery. Sorcery, the idea here is that they sought to know the future through demonic sources. And they would seek out through this, as it describes here, astrology, stargazing, and you know, trying to predict based upon the, the zodiac and, and that sort of thing. But he says, now have them stand and save you. From what shall come upon you, behold, they shall be as stubble. Again, the utter powerlessness of the idols. They shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. It shall not be a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. Thus shall they be to you with whom you have labored, your merchants from your youth. They shall wander each one to his quarter. No one shall save you. So basically, God is just simply saying, your uh, destiny is sealed and your judgment will come. And you can do all you want with your enchantments and all of those kinds of things, but they can't do anything for you. They're, they're like stubble. And so just the simple question, what are you trusting in? Where is your hope? Are you trusting in the living God? Or have you maybe fallen prey to idols? Has, has something else come in and become the thing that's taken your affection, that's taken your attention, that's taken your devotion away from the Lord. And I think that the season that we're in, again, I think it's a time of soul searching for lots of people. And I've actually had people tell me, I had actually a note from a friend that I haven't heard from in years. Today, I got an email from him. He said he found my email address and just decided to write. And he basically was confessing that he had been not away from the Lord, like living out in some gross sin. He's faithful to his wife. He's got a nice family. He's got a good business. Uh, He said, but his heart has drifted far from his affection to the Lord. And he was basically touching base to say, I'm thinking a lot about the things that, you know, I've heard you say and, and so forth. All of that to say, this is a moment that God has allowed for us to rid ourselves of idols, to get rid of the idols that we have brought back into our lives. And so don't miss the moment. Just cast the idols aside. Just confess to the Lord, Lord, you know, these things have become more important to me than you have. And I'm sorry. And I want to turn away from that. And I want to turn back to you. And if you happen to be tuning in and you don't know Christ, somehow you got here, Just know this, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Like all of us, you've sinned, I've sinned, everybody's sinned. But if we confess to Jesus that we are sinners and we ask him to save us and to take charge of our lives, he will do that. And so I want to urge you to do that. For the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 15 New Testament Words of Life, 
A New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. How can we understand some of the most important concepts in the Bible? And how can those concepts make a practical impact on our lives? In his book, 15 New Testament Words of Life, Dr. Nijay Gupta traces 15 words through the Bible that make an impact on how we live the Christian life. Words like righteousness, faith, and holiness. You'll learn their Old Testament background, discover their relevance during New Testament times, make connections with other passages in the Bible, and realize their practical impact for living life today. This book will help to bring theology to life. If you want to see how some of the most important theological themes in the Bible can come to life for you, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order 15 New Testament Words of Life, a New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.